Hello and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle and this is the podcast where we talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. This week we actually have a little bit of an update on a woman that we covered in previous episodes, Ghislaine Maxwell. Now for those of you guys who may not be sure on who Ghislaine Maxwell is, she is charged in conspiracy with the sexual abuse charges that Jeffrey Epstein faced and she's charged with basically grooming and preparing the victims as well as participating in the abuse itself. Now we covered this, um, her whole story, her background, um, how she's been accused in a previous episode that you can find if you go through the history of a murderous affair. It's just titled Ghislaine Maxwell. And what's new on this is that her trial has actually begun this week. Um, On Monday, they started opening arguments. And on Wednesday, one of the first victims, who is known only as Jane, began her testimony and and testified of the abuse that she endured at the hands of not only Jeffrey Epstein, but Ghislaine Maxwell. I'm going to kind of keep on top of this trial since it covers someone that we've talked about in previous episodes. I kind of post little updates here and there as I hear them. But... Just a heads up if any of you guys were interested in the episode that we talked about, this is currently still an ongoing trial. So that's it for our housekeeping portion of today's segment. And let's talk about the woman that we're covering this week. Just warning, this one's kind of a gross one. Um, like I was even hesitant about covering this one because of how messed up it is. So consider this your overall warning about our woman, Omaima Nelson, and how she murdered her husband. She is most commonly compared to Hannibal Lecter and Jeffrey Dahmer, who are some of the most famous cannibals out there. So just know that's that where we're going today. Now, this case is actually listed as one of the 50 most notoriously horrible crimes to occur in Orange County, California. So we will be in America. And the reason I chose this case is because when it happened, it occurred the weekend after Thanksgiving. So I figured uploading this the week after Thanksgiving would kind of be similar timing-wise, I guess. Omaima Nelson was born in Egypt in 1968 and came to America sometime in 1986. Apparently, while in Egypt, she was a former model and it came to light during her trial that she had been horribly abused as a child, including being forced to have a female circumcision, which is just extremely painful and horrifying to even think about. And it continued to cause her pain throughout her the rest of her life. When she came to America, she worked as a nanny until she met her future husband, William Nelson. They met in October of 1991 at a bar playing pool and had this seemingly whirlwind romance where they moved in within days of dating and were married within two months of knowing each other. Now, William Nelson, whose nickname was Bill, was working as a pilot at the time they met. He was actually on parole himself as he'd been arrested for smuggling drugs and electronics from Texas to Mexico in 1984. His wife at the time, Catherine, had filed for divorce when he was serving his sentence in a federal prison in California, but they had never actually ended their marriage when William met Omaima. After Omaima and William married, they took a honeymoon trip to Arkansas and Texas before moving in together at William's California home, where he would be murdered just a short time after returning from their trip. 
Now, what's unfortunate about this case is other than the gruesome highlights that were revealed in the news, a lot of the information seems to come from Omaima and her defense team during the trial. The honeymoon and the facts about William are easily corroborated, but the next part seems to be a lot of hearsay and justification that Omaima provides that because she killed the other person involved will never actually be verified. So here's what we know. According to Omaima, on the way back, William abused her and threw her cat out of the window of their car. She also claimed that he handcuffed her to chairs and sexually abused her. When they got to their apartment back in California, she claimed again he assaulted her and it was at this time on November 28th that Omaima took a pair of scissors from a nearby drawer and stabbed him with them. And stabbed him with them. She then took a clothing iron and beat him with it until he was dead. After she killed him, according to her testimony, she quote, entered a trance and then spent the next 12 hours dismembering his body to make getting rid, of, getting rid of it easier. She mixed up body parts with leftover turkey from Thanksgiving and ground it down the garbage disposal. Now, neighbors actually claim that they heard the garbage disposal unit running for hours around the time of his death that evening. She also, and this is kind of where it gets disgusting, so if you're squeamish, then maybe skip ahead 30 seconds or so. Um, but she also cooked his head and boiled his hands to remove fingerprints. She castrated him in what she says was revenge, and then told the psychiatrist that interviewed her that she had cooked her husband's ribs in barbecue sauce and eaten them. In court, she later denied this, but it was revealed in her initial statement. Investigators also reported how the lower half of the body had multiple parts of it that were skinned completely. Out of the estimated 250 pounds that William weighed at his time of death, police only recovered at an estimated 100 pounds of his body. So, after killing her husband, Omaima decided to call her ex-boyfriends and ask them for help getting rid of William's remains. According to one of them, Omaima called to ask for help with removing William's teeth from his severed head, apparently because that would make it more difficult to identify his remains. This then freaked out the ex-boyfriend, and he did probably one of the most re reasonable things that I've ever talked about on this podcast. He called the police and told them about her insane request. Omaima was pulled over in her dead husband's red Corvette, and police discovered garbage bags with his dismembered remains in the car with her. They immediately arrested her, and when police searched her home, they saw that the walls, floors, and bed sheets were completely covered in blood. Omaima was officially arrested under the suspicion of murder on December 2nd, 1991, and her trial happened almost exactly a year later on December 1st, 1992. So, like I said, most of these facts come from Omaima's side of the story during her testimony and trial. Now, let's hear what came out about Omaima during the trial. It turns out that Omaima had a history of being abusive herself. During her trial, one of her ex-boyfriends, the one who actually ended up calling the police on her, pressed charges against her for assaulting him. This boyfriend, Robert Hansen, says that in 1990, she threatened him at gunpoint in his Huntington Beach home. She, she tried to rob him and tied him up so that she could go through his belongings. She held him hostage while she did so and then eventually let him go. Overall, this whole incident led precedence to the prosecution's case, which was that Omaima had a history of getting together with men and manipulating them into a relationship with her, before then using that relationship to get money from the men. One thing is she never actually pled guilty for those charges, so it's interesting to see like 
if that was true or not, or if that was something that her ex-boyfriend kind of just threw out there and that helped the prosecution's case. Um, it's not something that's ever talked about, really. But in the end, the jury ended up finding Omaima guilty of first-degree murder, as well as of assault against Hansen for holding him at gunpoint, and she received a total of 27 years to life for her crimes. She had a hearing to see if she was eligible for parole, and in that hearing, she says that she deserved, basically she said that she deserved to go free because she's paid her time, um, and she was not a threat to society. But ultimately, the judge and the hearing panel decided that she still really showed no remorse and kind of sorrow for anything that she did. And that's something that kind of carried over when she was on trial was that she never actually apologized for what she did or said that she was sorry for what she did. So that was something that it, that has affected her attempts at parole. But that is the story of Omaima Nelson. If you guys had anything more you wanted to add on to this episode, feel free to let me know. You can reach out to me at Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. And I am on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, Instagram, anything social media, basically. If you guys are interested in maybe buying your friends or family some gifts for the holiday season and want to support your local podcast, you can go ahead and buy t-shirts that represent your love for a murderous affair on frumiusreads.com forward slash shop. That's F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S dot com forward slash shop. Make sure you follow the podcast on whatever podcast platform you use. We are on Apple, Podbean, Libsyn, basically anywhere and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Goodbye.